to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Stock. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything within her at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show, show. Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show, and today I'm doing uh, an official review, I would say, and I am joined by Tim from Board Game Hot Takes. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Riley. Thanks for having me back on your show. Always a pleasure to be here, and I'm really excited to be a part of your first very structured review of a game that I'm very <laughs> excited to talk about. Yeah, I'm not nervous at all, right? <laughs> it should be good. Uh, you know, you're very experienced with reviews. What, I mean, go ahead and kind of say what you're show is yeah so I'm, I'm from the board game hot takes podcast i almost said the board game community show i'm from the board game <laughs> hot takes podcast and uh, me and a couple friends every week we play a game and we immediately talk about it we give a full review of it and we've been doing that for a little over two years now so i think uh we released our 118th episode uh this you know yesterday so i got a little experience doing this i think it uh i think i'll, I'll slide right in here it'll work it'll work fine yeah oh absolutely and i love board game hot takes like it's one of the podcasts that i have to well i try to listen to the day it comes out last monday i I, my wife and i were sick so i listened to like 10 minutes here and it took me like three days to listen to the whole episode but it was a great episode heathen but thanks i know (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you're feeling better though yeah yeah we're both back up and uh out of bed so that's nice great last week you guys did carnegie Mm -hmm. well that was this yeah, this week, I guess. Just yeah, released, yeah, yeah on Monday. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you say what? Uh, this will come out before your next episode. Can you say what the next We are planning is? to do Teotihuacan City of the Gods next week. That'll be the review. We're, we're actually recording it tomorrow night. So every once in a while, something will happen, like somebody will have to cancel last minute. We decide to do a different game that everyone's prepped for or whatever. But that's the plan right now. So hopefully when you listen to this, in a few days, we'll release the Teotihuacan episode. Yeah, and mo- they come out Monday. I mean, we'll plug all that at the end too, but... I cool. just, you know, excited to hear and always fun to have you here. Yeah, so, a, well, yeah, you got a little spoiler. That's a little inside information. Nobody knows that, but my my podcast crew uh, from our text thread. <laughs> yeah. And then it's going to come out and it'll be like Small World or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we should do heck? Small World. That's a great game, actually. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind doing a full review of Small World. Maybe we'll oh, do really? Sometime. I like it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a light game. I, I love. Yeah, there's some things about it that I really like. So I, I'd be happy to jump in. And just see how it hit. And it's just, you know, it's a different it's a different style of game than we usually play, I think, to some extent, a different weight. So yeah, a good one. I think it'd be a good one to cover. Yeah, I think it's fun. Uh, I've only played it with my brother in law. And then I was at my FLGS a couple days ago and they had the underground one. I don't know what it's called, uh, but they had that on sale for like 40 percent off. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy this. It's a good enough game. 40% off, especially. You seem like a... Were you a World of Warcraft player? I was not. I played okay. it a little bit because okay. my friends paid for me to, like, 
you know, they paid the subscription yeah. for me and I would try and play it with them, but I never got into it. Okay. I was curious because they, they made a World of Warcraft, small World of Warcraft, where it was licensed to the World of Warcraft thing. I figured if you were a, a WoW player, then that would have been right up your alley. Yeah, they had that there too. And I think it was 30% off, but it okay. was also more expensive in general. Yeah. So I was like, nah, nah. <laughs> but would you play it yeah for sure i i used to play world of warcraft a bit my brother was really into it i mean like for years he was into it so i i got on and played with him a bit um i just found that any of those uh uh what, what are they called um kind of mmorpg uh, yeah, yeah mmorpgs thank you um they were just kind of grindy you know i found like i was spending a lot of time doing stuff that wasn't that exciting and uh i tried a few i did like final fantasy 11 i think was the one and i did world of warcraft and they were all fun for a little bit but um i just couldn't devote the amount of time to it that uh you know that, that kept it exciting for other people so it was fun to, yeah. to dip my toes in it i think world of warcraft's actually a great theme for for small world because it's already kind of a cute fantasy theme it fits right in there and you got the fun combination of the races and the characteristics and yeah i think i think it'd be fun i'd, I'd like to try that one actually yeah i would love to play it sometime and say on that same note of uh I want to do the Star Wars and the World of Warcraft. What is it? Pandemic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Star Wars pandemic looks great. World of Warcraft 1, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even a huge pandemic fan, but not because it's not an interesting game. I just, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm not a big co op player, but, but both of those are, I think, are great licenses for it. There's also a Cthulhu pandemic, which I've never played. Have you ever played that one? I haven't. And I, I've always wanted to because Cthulhu's, you know, like for us board yeah. gamers, <laughs> it's, it's all a, over the it's place. It's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> it's got its tentacles and everything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, all three of those seem like they could be fun twists on the pandemic mechanism set with with fun concepts in those worlds. So I'd be happy yeah. to try any of them. Yeah. Cool. I was reading that that the pandemic or the Cthulhu one is one of the least interesting of the pandemic no, I've heard the opposite. I've heard really? some people say they like okay. it the most. So that that's kind of why I got excited about it. It's like I like the Cthulhu theme's fine. I mean, I think it's actually a really interesting concept that keeps getting reused. But uh, the, some of the mechanisms they added sounded fun to me. So yeah, nice. I yeah, I would love to try it because I love the pandemic system, and I think Cthulhu's theme is fun. Yeah. Obviously, we'll talk about some later stuff, uh, you know, like after we do our review, we're going to nerd out about uh, what we've been playing lately, too. And cool. And some other things. But we'll let's get into Paperback Adventures. So Paperback Adventures is from Fowers Games. It designed by Tim Fowers and Sky Larson art by Ryan Goldsbury. Oh, it. I mean, it just came out. We've just been receiving the Kickstarter edition, right? We got it like. A week and a half ago. Yeah, and I don't think uh, when when this was on Kickstarter, I think Fowers Games said that they were not going to put this in retail, although they may change their mind on that. I don't know, maybe based on demand or whatever. I think the only way you're going to be able to get it was possibly on their web store was what they were saying at the time. So yeah, but we just received it. So it's not really available, I don't think, anywhere else. Uh, some people probably still haven't even gotten their copies yet. Yeah, and it is it is available on their web store. So Fowers... Oh, cool games.com i think is the website fowers.games but they have like the old pictures which i think is interesting or no it's got to be just old pictures um because the player board the plastic tray it looks like the original concept okay we will definitely talk about that plastic tray in just a bit yes (laughs) and i yeah yeah 
I've seen stuff online. I mean, we're we're I'm so excited to get to that. But that's like in a little bit. <laughs> I never played paperback any of the other paperback games. I played hardback and I can't remember if this was what it was, but Paige Turner is the author of the these books, right? And and so in this one, you're playing as the protagonist of one of these books and then playing through a series of books. So there's you're doing three different books. Uh, as either the damsel, the ex machina, the robot, or plot hook, the pirate. I love and that name. Plot hook is my favorite name of all those characters. It is so good. <laughs> I love damsel because, and I loved the kind of like tagline they had yeah. with her because it was like damsel. She's not the one in distress. Yeah, exactly. She'll, or something like she'll be she'll be the one causing distress. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. And this is a. Uh, solo game so tim and i have not played this together it can be played with two people uh there's a two-player variant and there's they've kind of just said as oh there's like two different two there is did, did you read the rules on them i did okay i because to me they don't feel like they're i i feel like they were definitely tacked on like the uh there's one the two-headed giant one where basically you each you know each person is just basically fighting their own like character so essentially you're just playing side by side um, maybe there's some like sharing of resources or something like that, but it, it feels very solo, but with somebody else in the room. And then there was, uh, there's another version where it, essentially it said like, it's like, well, you'll just make the decisions together. So, so it yeah. did, it did, from what I remember from reading the rules, it did not feel very co-op. It felt very solo still. Yeah. And that like sky and I, uh, one of the designers, mm-hmm. we've hung out a couple times, done double dates, game nights. And he, said that him and his wife were saying like, well, we just like to play it. Like we just choose together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. We just play single player and then pitch in on what words. And so Kimmy was like working while I was playing it and she would occasionally come over and I'd be like, what words can you see here? But I want it to start or end with the letter G, you know, (laughs) 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 which was fun for her to just kind of be able to come and look at the word letters and and help me make some words. That's the thing, right? Is in this, you've got a deck of cards depending on which character you choose, it's got 10 different letters in there and you're going to draw five, right? Or no, four. Four. It's four. four. Yeah, it's four. Mm-hmm. I was playing Lost Ruins of Arnak. <laughs> it's usually uh, five. This weekend. So, it's yeah, unusual that it's only four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you draw the four cards and then you can make a word with those four cards. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just letters, but then you can splay them left or right. Uh, if you splay him left, you're going for defense. If you splay him right, you're going for offense, generally. And whatever the top card of the splay is has a special ability, and you you get to activate that, whatever it says on there. Um, but yeah, and then you're just fighting uh, lackeys and bosses. So there's like a book one lackey, book two, or book one lackey, book one boss, book two lackey, book two boss, book three you know uh once you beat book three you win and with that each one has two stages so once you beat it you flip it over and now it's in the like enraged mode right uh so let's go let's start with i think that's a decent explanation of the game overall good enough good enough enough? it's a deck builder it's a deck builder which i don't think riley exactly mentioned but basically yeah because each of the cards has a letter on it and then you can throughout the course of the campaign you can pick up more letters or you can upgrade your letters so yeah it's it's a it's a deck builder in that sense and if you've ever played paperback it'll be very reminiscent because that's also a, a deck builder 
with the idea of building words, but this is definitely plays more like a roguelike game, uh, which Slay the Spire, I know, inspired it to some extent, and, and that's very popular. It's on Kickstarter right now, the board game for that. So this feels very similar, but it uses the same deck building, word building mechanism that Paperback did. Yeah, and I think that when I had Tim or Sky on the podcast, they said that the original project, like their code name for it was Splay the Spire. Yeah, there you go. Nice. I remember hearing that. I, I actually, too, I, I feel like it's worth calling out. I feel very special to be involved in this review because, you know, you've interviewed Sky and hung out with him, it sounds like, and you've interviewed Tim. And so you have a deep connection to this game. And so I get to step in as an outsider and hear, look into your thoughts with some of the insights you've got. Yeah. <laughs> and cool. I was, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm sure that Sky will listen to this and I'm maybe Tim will. I don't know. I know some uh, designers, you know, like uh, Jamie doesn't listen to uh, interviews or reviews of his games. He doesn't listen to reviews of his games. Yeah. I, he, he may very well listen to interviews or, or things about him, but yeah, he doesn't listen to reviews of his games. Yeah. Were, that's what he says anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wink. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's like nervous, you know, it's not a perfect game, but I've got a lot of good things to say about it overall, which let's start with the theme. Uh, I mean, I'm the theme guy. I think, well, no, you love themes too. You, I do love themes. I like good do. mechanical games that have great themes integrated into them. Yes. I think that the theme here is very interesting. Obviously, it's hard to put a theme on building you know, words, but the concept that you are essentially a character in a book, and, and what they said, I think the flavor at the beginning of the book is that you are, um, you're having writer's block. And so you just start brainstorming some random ideas. And that's why your robot might be fighting a shark or your, you know, pirate might be fight, you know, like, so it's, it's these weird encounter mix ups that can happen. And that's kind of how they've introduced that into the theme here. Uh, that said, you know, it is pretty mechanical, right? I mean, it's, it's like when you're just building a hand of, of letters into a word, the theme doesn't feel heavy, but they put a lot of really nice touches into the cards that you can pick up like the items and the MacGuffins. Um, and then they put, they put nice touches into the, the traits of the enemy cards and the, and the deck that you're playing with, you know, each of the characters that you can play has its own deck and has some unique cards that have uh, keywords that reference the, you know, kind of the storyline that they would be in. So they've done a lot to try to pull the theme into this mechanical game. And I think it's great. I think it's really charming. I'll give you an example here. So like I brought with me for this recording, I just grabbed a couple of the, the monsters, like the one of the book one lock, lock, lackeys is the sludge alien. And so this is one of the enemies that comes with the ex machina set. So, you know, he does a lot of sci-fi kind of enemies. And so the sludge alien, you know, it's two-sided as Riley mentioned. So you would fight one side and then it, once you defeat it, you flip it over and it's, it changes its abilities and it's a little stronger but then once you, this is the sludge alien, once you beat it, it says at zero HP, I'm cleaned out. And then likewise, I've got the mummy here. Um, and he says, when you, when you defeat him at zero HP, this fight is wrapped up. So they all have fun little wordplay into when you defeat them, what happens with it. And I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I am just, uh, you know, right in the middle of it. Every time I'm playing this game, I'm just, just enjoying the story that's being told. There's so much flavor in this game, right? With the rewards card. So after yeah. you beat a lackey or a boss, there's a rewards card and they're double-sided. And generally it's like one side 
is really strong, but might give you something detrimental uh, or a little more risky. And then the other side is like a more safe choice. But both sides have different flavor text of like, you just beat the mummy and here's what happens at the end of the fight. Like, and sometimes it's not like, it doesn't even sound like a fight or anything. It's just like, oh, like you, I can't even remember the, there was one with the, like the pesky suitor or something. Where it was just like you managed to evade the pesky suitor or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I meant to bring one down here. I don't have one in front of me, but that's it, you're absolutely right. Like, there's this great little story. The first, the uh, if you play it out of the box, I think the first uh, book one lackey that you fight is like sewer rats or basement rats or something like that. So it's really sewer you know rats, kind of yeah. simple monster. But like one of the stories would be like, well, you went to the, uh, you know, local landlord and told him that you defeated this and he looked at you disgustingly, but he still gave you your, your prizes. And then the other one was like, you know, once the rats were defeated, you know, you got out of there as quickly as you could because it creeped you out and then you got the different set of rewards. So there's like just a little story element to the end of each of the battles. And it's, it's pretty fun. I, I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah. And they they almost have like a segue right into the next battle. Of yeah. Like it's open enough that any of the book one bosses could be next. You know, like it's not. I don't know, it's just I love it. I, I really enjoyed the theme throughout it. And same with like the MacGuffins. We didn't talk about that. There's the MacGuffins. There's the items uh, in each of those are really fun. Some of them are more epic. Some of them are a little bit silly. Uh, I, maybe we'll talk about that with mechanisms. I, yeah, or, I, I'll just mention that, um, you know, MacGuffin, basically the idea of a MacGuffin, if you're not familiar with that term, is that it's essentially something that drives a story forward. Uh, for example, in Pulp Fiction, the famous MacGuffin was the suitcase that uh, that uh, Jules and uh, Vincent were trying to retrieve. So that was like something that they had to go. It's what, what drove their quest. And so because this is supposed to be a story-based theme, one of the one of the things you can pick up in the game, that's what they call it. They're MacGuffins. So it's, it's a silly idea, but they're trying to just say like, Hey, you've got something now that's going to drive your direction. It's going to give you some focus. It's going to give you something to kind of put your focus on. And I think that's really clever that they use that. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot of theme in these two. I mean, we, you know, we can get into mechanically, but I've got a few of those listed here too. And like every one of the me- mechanisms that's tied into these, I've got some items here. So you can pick up two types of things. You can pick up items or MacGuffins and MacGuffins are kind of ongoing effects and they're really cool. They're really strong. And then items are things that you are, uh, that you can activate by spending energy. So for example, a smoke bomb is one that I found and you can spend one energy and both you and the enemy gain three block this turn. So obviously it gives a benefit to both of you, but think about it. You throw a smoke bomb. Yeah, it's a lot harder for anybody to hit that time. So you'd want to do that when your opponent's about to attack you and maybe you're not trying to attack. You don't care about it. So it can be cleverly used. Or there's an ancient wand uh, and you have to spend four energy to copy the effect of your top card this turn. But there's just this huge pile of different things, but they all have a little bit of a, a fun little you know story that that you're telling. And at some point, like I had Plot Hook, my pirate, with you know holding like you know he had his parrot on his soldier which was one of his starting items but then he was also uh he had like a a, a cocktail fork it was one of his weapons that he had like there's it's just fun to, to see this story that gets put together in each of the games that you're playing and i think that's part of the theme yeah oh absolutely i it helps to like describe it you know it's just that like well i am battling these sewer rats uh i'm gonna use my grappling hook and now i get plus one card to my hand each uh 
time I draw or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, oh, I've got the flaming sword or oh, I've, the damsel had the boots. So it made it easier to like evade. Uh, it's just great. Yeah. And everybody has starting core cards. Right. So two different core cards uh, and those use resources like, oh no, what are they called now? There's so the boons, curse. the boons are like the positives or the curses. Quick edit. We kept calling them curses, but they are actually called hexes. Okay. Back at it. And I have a I have a rules question for you that we'll get to in a little bit related to the curses. But yeah, so you you have some some different resources you're going to pick up, and those two starting cards, each character has different ones that you can use to spend those resources. Basically, what's interesting, I don't know if you saw this, but if you defeat the level three boss or the book three boss with your main character, then there's two replacement ones that you can. It's based kind of like a little hidden packet so you can unlock these additional opportunities and then you can choose to swap them out. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, I really liked that. Have you, I do we want to talk about, have you beaten? I, I haven't beaten any of the level three, uh, level book bosses yet. So okay. I have not unlocked anything. I don't know what's in those packets. Uh, they could be terrible. I'm sure they're cool, but uh, no, <laughs> haven't have not beat them yet. But yeah, I think that, you know, you, you mentioned that like, so each of the characters has their starting items and that's kind of fun. It makes each of them start out of the gate feeling a little bit different. They've got a little bit of different play style, some different things they can do. And their decks, of course, are different as well. And you have your 10 starting cards and those are unique a little bit, but they also have some, the whole deck that you can buy from of their cards are going to have different keywords and different abilities and different strengths. Um, I found I've only played two of the characters so far, but I found them to feel very unique and uh, change the change the puzzle in a different way. Oh, yeah, I love it. I think it's all great. The the MacGuffins, what they're usually more of a passive ability. Right. So it's like if you were to give one poison to or one curse to an enemy, give an additional one or. Yeah, I've got I've got one here, for example. And so the MacGuffins are kind of interesting because when you pick up one of these, whether it's a random one off the bottom of the deck or if it's one out of the market, you get to look at both sides of it. And every one yes. of these MacGuffins, and it's a pretty big stack, especially once you have all the characters, um, has two sides to it and you just get to pick. So it's one more opportunity to kind of make a choice instead of randomly getting something in the game. But this this one I'm looking at right now on one side is the silver bullets. And the ability is if your word has six or more letters, gain two attack. Now, Riley mentioned at the start at the description that you draw four cards at the beginning of the game, but you always have a wild you can use. So you always have a minimum of five card hand you could play with if you can make a five card hand. And then there's also this um, the uh, I figure what it's called, but basically like depending on the enemy you're playing, there's a specific vowel card that you have available weakness. to you. Uh, the weakness, yeah. yeah. And so that one is available to you to use. So you could make a six card hand but when you use the wild you give up a, you don't get an extra energy at the end of the round so there's a little bit of a negative to using it and if you use the um the weakness as your as your top card then you have to get get rid of it you, you fatigue it so it's not available for the rest of the game so you want to be a little careful about when you use that but then there's also some other things that will let you draw additional cards or use bonus things so you can get up to six or more letters but it's not easy and it's going to be hard to do frequently but on the other side of this MacGuffin is the training sword and this says whenever an item makes the enemy lose hit point the enemy loses one more hit point you know it's just an ongoing ability that basically you're just going to be doing more damage um, if you have other items that work with it so every one of these is very unique they're really fun they're all thematic they all have little uh you know great little illustrations on them um yeah so yeah very very neat yeah and when you beat a boss you get a boss mcguffin right and those are usually more powerful 
but it's hard because it'll, you know, depending which side you choose, you might draw two or three boss McGuffins and you have to choose one and then put the rest back. And for me, that's like a hard decision. <laughs> we're getting into mechanics a bit, but or mechanisms. Yeah, we are like, we're good here. Just it flows together into it. There's so many times where I'm all three of them are so good. And it's like, well, do I want an extra card? Do I want an extra wild card? Do I want to uh, like gain health at the end of my turn? If, uh, if this condition is met or whatever it is, you know, like there's, they are so good. And it, for me, I've ended up making decisions based on what other stuff I have. Like, okay, yeah. what's going to complement this the best? That's the fun part about it, because in every game, you're looking for those fun little combos. That's where you're going to get the strength is when you can get a couple things that work together really well. And that's where it gets fun. Because I, I know, I mean, like I said, I, I played this through a few times now. I haven't beat the level three book yet. But, um, you know, every time I play, it's felt very different based on some of those combos you put together in the um, you know, the, the, the items and the MacGuffins really drive that variety as well as the enemies that you're, that you're fighting against. Yeah. Um, can, can we jump into that really quick since we're on mechanisms now? I want to talk yeah. about the modularity of this game. And yes. this adds a lot of fun to me. So there's a base box, uh, Paperback Adventures, and the base box has, I think, like three, uh, eight, uh, three, three monsters or three enemies of each level, if I remember right. And it has a pretty good stack of MacGuffin cards and a pretty good stack of item cards. And then there's some other things that you have to have, like there are these penalty cards and stuff like that. So that all comes in the base box. But then you have to get at least one of the adventure or one of the, the hero books, I think is what they're called. And the hero books come with the, the hero. So the only way you can actually play this, you have to have the base box and a hero box. But the hero box gives you their own huge stack of cards. I don't know. It must be like 60 or 70 or 80 cards or something 60. like that. Yeah. 60. Yeah. And then there's starting and then 10 starting cards, day. right? So you're always going to yeah. start with the same starter deck, but there's lots of opportunities to swap cards out and replace them with other ones that are in this other deck. But there's 60 cards in there. And I don't think you'd ever replace more than maybe five, maybe 10, if you're going really aggressive on that in the course of a game. So that means that you could play this a lot of times before you've even seen all the different cards that are available to pick up for it. So that that's one of the things. The other thing that comes with the uh, adventure is, or with that with the hero, is a new set of monsters. So you have you know six at least six different monsters because you got the book one lackey and here a boss and then the book two, etc. Um, so you got a whole bunch of variety there, and then you have a new additional items that are generally a little bit more from their theme. You know, like so I mentioned that um, uh, here's do I have an example down here? No, I didn't bring one with, but there, like there was some, if you play the plot hook character, there's a bunch of like the captain's wheel is one of the MacGuffins or, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of pirate themed items and MacGuffins that you can pick up and versus if you play the ex machina, there's a whole bunch of sci-fi or robot themed things that you can add in there. So each of these come with a bunch of variety that then you just shuffle in and add to the base box stuff. Where it really gets fun is now I've got all three of these characters. So there's three characters, three heroes you can buy. The, you know, the decks all play a little bit different, but it is such a fun variety to like look, look at that next card that's coming off the item deck and put it in the market. And I was, and it's like something I've never seen before because there's so much in here and it does tell some fun stories because you can have the pirate mixed in with the sci-fi stuff and you got this, this crazy stuff that's happening. So I love the modularity of it. I feel like uh, even with the, the monsters, you know, the, each of the monsters, as Riley mentioned, has two different reward sides. So every time you play a, an enemy, you're going to be, you know, looking at a different, a couple different rewards you can choose from. I'm telling you, every game has felt like it played out very differently. And I, I really enjoy that. And 
I, you know, when I was, when I was back in this on Kickstarter, I was hesitant because I didn't know if it was something I was really going to love. And I was back in it and I was tempted to just be like, I'll just get the base box and I'll get one hero. But the thing that drove me, it wasn't the different hero decks, although those have been fun to explore, more fun than I expected. But it was the that you could get the extra enemies and you could get the extra item cards and the extra MacGuffins. And I'm so glad I did because it's really paid off already in, in just giving me so much variety to, to play through as I'm using this game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree with all of that 100%. Like I, I actually backed it at just the two books originally. Um, so like two characters. Which one did you skip on? I was going to skip on Plot Hook. Oh, okay. Uh, but then I was talking to Sky, and he was saying Plot Hook was his favorite to play as. And I was like, well, okay, maybe I'll go back and I'll see if I can change it, update it in the Pledge Manager. But it wouldn't let me, so I just added it on, like, added it as an add-on. Uh, and it ended up costing me, like, $2 more than if okay. I had just done the three things. So I was like, yeah, whatever, $2 more. Totally worth it, because it adds so much. So when I was playing... What I did was I started with Ex Machina and I added all of his MacGuffins into the deck and all of his items into the deck. Um, And then when I finished that, I just left them in the deck. Is Mm -hmm. that what you did? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I did the same thing. At first, I just started with the damsel. And, you know, we'll get to this into the into the production a little bit, but this comes with a whole bunch of card sleeves. And so when I first opened it up, I was like, okay, I got a lot of work ahead of me. So I'm not going to open up these (laughs) other boxes. So I did the same. I sleeved the base box and the damsel and then just played with her mixed her stuff in there, but then just left it in there. But after I played a couple times with the damsel, I was like, no, I want to try one of these other characters. And then I just opened them both up sleeved everything and mix them all in together. So I didn't even play the other characters without all the other stuff mixed in. I'm a hundred percent all in on like, just give me a weird mix of variety. That's going to come up every game. Yeah. Yeah. See, and then I, so I did one game as ex machina. uh, And then I did a game as uh, damsel and added all her stuff in. And then plot hook added all his stuff in. So at that point, everything was mixed together when I played the damsel though, or no, when I played plot hook, I ended up throwing even all the enemies in uh, so that I would just randomly draw an enemy from any of the, you know, the genres. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that, too, because that was fun. And I I actually took out the enemies that I already fought against just so that I could play against the some different ones. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to do that for a little while, too. Just if I draw the random one that I already played, I'll probably just draw another one just to just to have some fun with it. Another mechanism that I... I wasn't like, I thought it was a really cool concept splaying the cards left or right. It didn't seem like it would be that big of a deal to me. I don't know. Like I I thought it would be easy and it would just be like, I'm just going to find the cool word, but no way. Like sometimes you might have five or six cards, you know, and you have the wild, but a three letter word is way better because you can get the B on top or whatever it is, you know, like there's so much strategy here. Uh, And when the, so when you're fighting the enemy, what you do is you'll play your items, your um, use your energy to play items, and then spell out your word, and then you're activating it, and then you're going into the enemy phase or the the conflict phase, phase clash phase, I think it was called. During that time, you like you attack, and then it has different kind of stages that it goes through, right. or actions, and then it'll do its action, and then it goes to and moves to the next action. And so you always know what's going to be coming up next, which gives another whole strategy of like, okay, like 
This time he's going to be doing five damage, but next time it's going to be eight damage. Do I want to like, I sh- maybe I should just attack and take those hits this time so that I can defend against the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's. I, I think there's a couple things that's really genius here, and I agree. When I read about this, I was hesitant because I was like, "That doesn't seem like a super fun choice." I'm either choosing a bunch of shields or I'm choosing a bunch of swords. But in a lot of ways, again, this was inspired by Slay the Spire. Did you ever play Slay the Spire? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know, it's kind of the same, right? Like the 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 enemies tend to go through a, a series, kind of a sequence of different actions they're going to take. So it's almost exactly the same. And you know that, yes, I could block this couple damage, but then I'm kind of wasting my attack. So instead, I'll take some damage. It feels exactly the same. And I, But what I find really fun here is that each of these enemies is very different. And their abilities are really varied as well. Now, I, I, wa- I do want to touch on really quickly because you mentioned that like when you splay your card and spell the card, you want to sometimes you really want to focus on what the top letter is. And that's a great decision too. So much more fun than I thought it was going to be as well. Because yeah, maybe I know I'm just going to go on all attacks, but I still, do I want to, you know, play the card that gets me two boons so that I have some extra money to spend in the market at the end of the, the you know, round? Or do I want to play the thing that is, if I, that gives me a benefit, if I play six cards, I'm going to do a whole bunch of extra damage. Now I got to try to spell out a six letter word and have that on top. The, the, the decisions are way more thinky than I thought. And, and like to, uh, you know, kind of compete with Slay the Spire a little bit. Slay the Spire gives you some decisions because you draw like five cards, but you only have three energy to use. So you still have to make some choices there. But the decisions here are much more challenging most of the time. And it's fun to be like, wow, I really want to play that top effect. It's going to be perfect here, but I've got to find a word that goes with it. And am I going to be able to optimize the stuff that goes with it? So great choices. But I wanted to mention too that, you, you know, you talked about how the enemies have this ability that rotates every round. What's cool about it is it's not just like this turn the enemy attacks, then the enemy defends, then the enemy attacks, right? They tend to be really varied. Like I'm looking at this uh, mummy and he has four different effects that he can trigger. So in the first round, he's going to block three and deal three damage. So you can't really just like, hey, I'm just going to deal you know four damage because you're only going to get one through. But if you just defend and you don't do anything. The second one, he gains a boon and then deals one damage for every boon on him. So at the beginning, that's really easy. No big deal. One damage. But that's going to grow over the course of the game. This, the third one, I gain a boon. Then I deal one damage for every boon on me. So same thing. And that's going to get a little bit stronger. And then the fourth one, which is called Ancient Curse, double my boons. If I have two or less boons, set my boon to five instead. So it's just going to like escalate and, you know, and get stronger and stronger. And then when you defeat him, when you, he's got 14 um, hit points to start. So when you get to 14 hit points, you flip him over and then his other side has different effects on it. So they're all very different. They've all, the ones that I have fought so far have all played very different. I had to think of a different strategy for it. I had to watch for what they were going to do. What a cool combination here of the way that I'm planning my turn, but also that I have to work around the opponent who's just sitting here. All I have to do is move a marker down their board to show what action they're doing. And it's so easy to track what that enemy is going to do to me, but it's fun. It's so fun to play around with. Knowing what's coming, knowing how they work or, and that was the weird thing to me is some of them I started and I was like, I think I understand what, how this works, but then really what would happen is I'd flip it over to stage two and I'm like, Oh my gosh, now one was setting up for stage yeah, two. Totally. Like, you know, like, oh, no, I can't believe that. Yeah. And all of the all of the enemies have passive. It has a passive yellow oh, passive box ability. at the bottom. Yep. 
Yeah, for example, this one that that I was just talking about, the mummy, right? You were talking about how it's going to escalate the boons and it's going to get more and more damage, but it has a passive ability that you can spend two energy before he blocks to remove a boon. So you can just throw away the the energy that um that you or that sorry, not energy. You can you can spend attack to remove boons from him. So sometimes you're going to be like, do I do I want to you know do the damage so that I can get end this fight faster, or do I want to like drop some of those boons down and spend my whole attack removing boons but some of them just have other passive abilities that are um that are negative like this guy says when i'm stunned instead my action becomes ideal five damage for that turn usually when the characters get knocked out they they get stunned and don't do any damage you know they don't take an action on the next turn so he's going to deal damage even if he's stunned so every one of them has a different passive ability like that yeah yeah and some of them are kind of like there's that one that does five and then i think there's a book two boss the cannon ship the oh now i can't remember where it was but uh and plot hooks he does like seven or it does seven it's a, okay it's a big ship um so i even that though feels different though because the abilities on it are different and it right. does a different amount of damage it's further down the road uh some of them do like for every boon it has plus one damage to the you know yeah like the is, is that what the mummy was no, mummy was uh, yeah. He was dealing a damage for every boon he had. Boon, yeah, right. okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so some of them have like similar ways they do it, or uh, or ways to take off the boons, or or sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't build the boons that quickly, but you just have to like try and take it out before it gets too powerful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's kind of a race. It's like you you have to. They will start. To, all of them seem to have a way that kind of escalates. So at first, you know, get through the first few rounds, probably you're not going to take a ton of damage. But if you don't take care of them at some point, it's going to get worse. So it doesn't let you just kind of sit there and block every turn and do a damage here and there. You got to you got to take care of them. It's really cool. I think like they did it. They did a good job of balancing these again, the ones that I played so far. Now, speaking of balance, I, I think it's important to recognize that this game is not about defeating one enemy. Right. Because. The, the, the book one enemies, you're probably always going to defeat them. You're probably never going to be defeated by them. But the point is that after you defeat the book one enemy, you don't gain your health back up. It doesn't start back at the top. So everything that you let get through is a risk for you in future books. It makes you a little bit weaker in future books. And that's exactly how Slay the Spire plays as well, right? Like you can you can be like, yeah, I'm just going to do a ton of damage and take a few hits. Who cares? But those few hits build up over the next couple of enemies you're playing. So it's very clever that, um, you know, it is an, it's usually the first the first couple of enemies are probably going to be pretty easy. The boss a little tougher. But the fun thing is that you still want to get through those because when you defeat them, and you know, as you're as you're fighting them, you have the chance to get boons that will let you get more uh, stuff after the fight. But also, when you defeat them, then you get a whole bunch of random rewards, different rewards that can really make your deck more fun. So it's just again like Slay the Spire, where those first enemies are never you're never going to die from them, but you get to see what the reward is at the end of it, and that's where the fun comes in to start to build up your character and see how you've evolved and how they how you kind of combo stuff together. Yeah, well, while you were talking about boons, right? So the core cards. Uh, well, I guess to back up here a little bit, right? There's sort of four resources you're trying to take care of while you're playing. You've got your health. Your starting health is always 20, unless you're playing on the easier mode. Uh, and then there's the uh, curses, boons, and energy. Mm-hmm. And so energy, you're going to build up by not using your wild card. And sometimes that's a resource given uh, when you spell a word. And you'll use that energy generally to... Uh, activate an item and then boons uh, one of your core cards you will use boons 
to do something special. So like, uh, oh, do you have one on you? I didn't bring one down here. Um, and I, I don't recall, recall exactly what to do, but yeah, a great example. Like for, I, I think, uh, I think it was, um, the damsel, I think hers was like, you could spend boons for blocking or something like that. But yeah, it, I mean, the, the thing yeah. about the boons though, is that, and which I'm sure you were about to talk about, so, but I'm going to jump right in and interrupt yeah. you, uh, is that the boons are, are kind of your currency for how you buy more stuff at the end of a, the, at the end of the battle. So you have a card that lets you use them but you don't really want to use them. So it's a fun trade-off. It may, it may give you the opportunity to, you know, keep yourself a little healthier or, or, you know, end a battle quicker, but you're going to be given up on the potential to buy something with them later on. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting into was, you know, those boons, they, and they're not super easy to gain because no. generally you have to use your top card to get it. And we haven't talked about this, but uh, as far as like one battle being easy, right? So you may never lose it on the first fight, but I almost did, because I was not paying attention to when you play a card, whatever is the top card, you have to discard it. It That's goes right. off to the side. So the rest, like just, uh, what, what is it called? Yeah, it's fatigued. You fatigue the card. So it's basically out of the game for this for this this conflict, but then it gets shuffled back in your deck if you, if you win that conflict. Yeah, so like book one, I no longer can use that unless there's something that lets me unfatigue a card. Uh, so slowly, every time you play a word, you are losing a letter and you're not going to get it back most likely until the next battle. And that is like intense because <laughs> you are running out of words fairly like you start to run out of letters before you realize it i'm and so that's glad, kind of a timer on the game i'm so glad you brought this up riley because this is one of my complaints which we'll get to a little bit later okay. i think but it had to do with i there were some ambiguities in the rule book at least that i didn't find the answers to and one of the things i didn't find an answer to is what happens when you can't draw four cards did you find that specifically called out in the book? Okay. Yeah. What, what did it say about that? Uh, it says you just keep playing even if you have no cards because okay. you might have item cards yeah. or MacGuffins that okay. could help you. To so you don't lose. That's why I couldn't find anything that enemy. said you lose the game if you run out of cards. I just somehow I couldn't find that anywhere. But that's good to know. So yeah, it, you're absolutely right. Like almost every uh, every game I've played, I've gotten down to where I only had four cards left when I finished the battle. Yeah, and and I I ended up losing the battles I did lose I lost by by health I never lost by running out of cards but I, I I knew that was a possibility I knew it could happen so I'm glad you answered that for me yeah yeah and I've gone down to like two cards on one battle and it was just like and the items were kind of what helped me out yeah. there I I was like okay if I cannot use the energy then because you you don't even have to play a word and when I learned that there's been a hand or two where I chose just not to play a word at all. Why would you choose not to play a word? What would be an advantage? Well, because of what the enemy was doing. So okay. I, the enemy's blocking three and that's all they're doing. Okay. So why am I going to block or attack and lose one of my letters? Got it. So you just don't have to not fatigue. See, I didn't see that in the rule yeah. book either. Interesting. I don't I had a hard time. I, I you know, I'll, again, I'll mention that this was one of my complaints so far was just that I yes. had a hard time finding some of the details I needed. And there's another pretty important rule that I think you'll probably be able to answer for me, but I couldn't find it in there um, at some point. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's good to know. I did not yeah. know. To play I mean, way. on that same thing. So with the top, what's on top. Um, <laughs> so I still don't know 100% how to do this. When I first started, probably the first three games I played, I, whenever I used the enemy weakness card that I would activate it, even if it wasn't on top. Oh yeah. Nope. I totally messed that up. 
Um, and it didn't s- explain that super well. In right. I agree me. with that. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I kind of determined how I thought it was supposed to work because what it seemed like they did is they, they told you this enemy card was in there, but they didn't give you any special details around it. I guess because you're supposed to just know it plays like another card, but I did feel like it would have been good if it spelled that out a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And there was an enemy that I was fighting. It might've been the dragon or something. And it was the, the yellow condition was that you can't hurt it unless you have used the enemy weakness. Oh, okay. And so I thought, well, I can only use it once. Wait, can I? And I started like reading the rules oh, over and over again and being like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. And so all of a sudden it clicked to me like, oh my gosh, I only activate that. I only get rid of it if it's the top card. And it is a very nice thing to use sometimes. Sometimes when you use, so on all of the enemy weakness cards, they're vowels, A-E-I-O-U. And if it's on top, what it does is it will make the enemy's action go to the next one right immediately and so that turn if they were going to deal 10 damage to you uh you could splay out right and and go for the damage and then they're going to move to the next one and it'll be something else and it's like okay i avoided that 10 damage now they're only blocking three or whatever it is you know uh so it is a very strategic choice but then you've lost that vow you get right. rid of it and you fatigue right. it um so that was something took me three games to learn. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very like, oh, my gosh, I've been playing this so wrong. I was very frustrated at that. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're on this topic. So I'll just mention there's another rule. Maybe you can answer it for me. But the point is that I do feel like there's some ambiguities here. Some things that I'm sure that the people who wrote the rule book had played it a ton and it was just clear to them. They didn't even have any questions about it. But it feels like it they missed out on maybe some blind play testing of the rule book because I had clear like lack of understanding and sometimes i think i finally at least decided how it should play and i feel good about it but like one of them is the way that you spend your other starter card that lets you spend curses yeah what i'm not clear on what i assume it means is that when you put curses on your on the bad on the the enemy that you remove those curses in order to use that thing is that right yeah how did you determine yes. did was that written in the rule book somewhere or are you just guessing that as well because no, i think there, i guessed that because it said give curses and then it's like i was fighting multiple enemies a, who gave me yeah. no curses at all that's that's what that's see the first time i played i played with an enemy that gave me curses so i was like okay oh. i'll use the curses that i'm getting to <laughs> to to get, activate this ability and then i played an enemy that didn't have any i was like well this is dumb i, don't, I have this card i can't even use but it's weird because it says like spend curses and so when you're spending typically i would have thought it would be your own resource but I think that's what I think you're right. I think you spend the resources off the other character. And that, again, it's not spelled out at all. Like it, it doesn't even mention how the, you know, the ability to spend curses. It doesn't mention it related to your starting cards. And I felt like that was a bit of a miss. So that's probably my number one um, you know, complaint is just that I, I did feel like I had to struggle through some rules and, and recheck the rule book a few times for things that I think could have been spelled out pretty clearly because it's not a complicated game. And these are these are easy things to answer if somebody just asked the question. So, and they weren't in the, there's like a FAQ on the back of the rule book and they weren't in there. And I figured if yeah. I didn't get an answer soon, I'll just, you know, go on BGG and, and post the question. You, you got an insight. You could just ask Sky about it. But. I know. <laughs> so I almost, I've almost messaged him a couple of times about it. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to go into the review, like without that yeah. knowledge and see yeah. what you think of those types of things. So, yeah. so like the damsels on that same subject, right? Uh, the damsels, other core ability is to use the curses. 
And it, it that one really confused me for a long time because it said spend energy and curses to deal this amount yeah. of damage. But don't uh, you only inflict as much damage as curses you spent. And so I was like, well, can I just spend one energy and six curses or that's um, uh, yeah, totally. That was very hard for me to understand too. And which was frustrating because that was the first character I played with. So right away I was like, I don't understand what this card does at all. Yeah. So totally agree with you. And I, I think again, I finally wrapped my head around it, but like, yeah, the weird thing is it said, spend the curses and energy, but you have to spend the energy to get the benefit. And I don't, does yeah. that mean you cannot spend the curses? I assume not, but I don't know why they would have specifically spent spelled that well, out. So what I ended up landing on, and I, this is one of the things I was most tempted to text sky about, but I was like, no, 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 I'm going to like, we'll hold off and, and I'll message him after. Yeah. Um, but or maybe I should have just done it. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so what I came to is because they're kind of tiers. So it's like one to three of it says one to three. If you spend one to three of them, then you can deal one damage or something right. like that. Um, so I figured that meant like one. I could spend one energy and three curses and do three damage with those curses or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, I think we need I to ask guy about that one. Hey, Future Riley here. I asked Sky for some clarification, and this is uh, what I understand of it now. So if you had eight hexes, that would put you in the third tier of this group. And so you would do eight damage because you have eight hexes, but because it's in that third tier, you would spend three energy and three hexes to do that damage. And then you reduce that the hexes down by three, that puts you at five. So then your next turn, you could do it again, but this time you would have to spend two energy and two hexes to do five damage. And then that would reduce it by two, which would keep you in that three to five HP. So then you do it again the next turn for two and so on. So that's how it is, which shows why it would be nice to have some sort of reference in the character boxes to kind of go into some more detail about those things. All right, that's probably the last future Riley part. Enjoy the rest. Yeah, and see, and again, I think because there's a few cards that are you just unique enough where just an appendix, like you didn't need to. There's a lot of cards yeah. that are very simple, very you know straightforward. But an appendix, two page appendix in the back of the rule book probably would have answered all of our questions on this stuff. So that's a that's an unfortunate situation, you know, or at least like give a little bit of a rules folder for the individual in the individual uh, hero packs. Because like that's you know right you don't want to put that in the base game but if you just give me a little one pager related to um, the uh, the damsel that just explained her special cards and her you know unique abilities a little bit I think that would have been yeah I was really surprised there was no rule book of any sort in that yeah Um, just yeah because you could have done that and it probably could have been a one sheet type thing of just here's what these things mean yeah agreed Um, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. A couple things. Oh, you know what? On the damsel, what I ended up doing was making it so I just spent equal. So it was like if I'd spent the five energy and five curses. Right. That's how I was I playing it, too. It's just the word. The wording's really weird. So it was, it was hard to figure out. But yeah. I agree. I think that's the right way. But again, why, why do we have to guess at this? So, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's curses, boons. Uh, well, there's like the shop and... That, I think that's kind of fun because there's three items, two MacGuffins, and then three letters, letters. at the bottom. And right. they all cost their set amount. You could spend two boons. Like, that's where you're spending your boons, right? 
And so you could spend two boons to upgrade a card and all of the letter cards in your deck are double-sided. So you just take it out, flip it over, and now you've upgraded it. And they do different things, which I think is so cool too, because like, depending on what letters you're drawing after you beat enemies or what letters you take, like that could determine, I'm going to upgrade this one because I think it would complement this vowel better, you know, or, um, but on the front side, it does tell you what's on the other side. So you don't have to like flip it over and look. It tells you this is going to add an attack. This is going to add a boon, whatever it is. Yeah, I love that. It's it's the whole like after you get done with like, you know, playing the game and defeating the enemy is is a fun part of the game, but it's almost the more fun part of it is like, what do I get to do after that? Right. Yeah. First, you got this list of rewards, which like you mentioned, is like you might get a free MacGuffin randomly. You might get some items right randomly. You might get the boss MacGuffin, but then you might get to upgrade a card. And so all really fun decisions you get to make. But then there's that shop. And aside from just being able to buy this stuff, as you mentioned, with your leftover boons, and it's one of the reasons why you're motivated to like always try to use those boon cards as your front, as your top card. At least I do, because I like the the process. But before you buy something from there, you get to choose to to wipe a row or column. Oh, yeah. So yeah. if you're like, I really want to get a MacGuffin here, but neither of these really complement my deck, then I can just like wipe the middle row, get rid of those two MacGuffins and start over. I really want to add some some words to my some letters to my deck one of the other things interesting when you're when you're upgrade when you're purchasing letters is that you never add letters to your deck you just replace them and that's a hard decision because it's like i've got a pretty decent you know easy set of letters to start with so if i'm replacing one now i got to decide what i'm getting rid of um but it, it it obviously keeps the pressure on that no matter who you're fighting you always have a 10 card deck and you're gonna run out of cards after the first six yeah you know, well, start to run out after the first six rounds the exception being uh, when you beat a boss, you just add that to your deck. So at the end of the game, you'll have twelve cards in your deck. I probably missed that. Yeah, I must yeah. have missed that rule. I'll have to. I'll have to double check that. Yeah. One. So when you look at the very back of the rule book, it says when you beat a lackey, do this stuff. Okay. And it says in there like uh, with a lackey, you'll never add a card. You'll always have to replace okay, it. Cool. In a boss, you always just add a deck, add maybe a that's, card. Maybe that's so. why I've been losing so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that does make a huge difference. Like, yeah. so every time I beat a boss, I'm always so excited because I'm like, oh, I get to add. Like, I this is this is extending my play. You know, like I get one more card in there to. Now you haven't mentioned, and, and this this kind of relates to the last mechanism I would want to call out. But you haven't mentioned. Have you beat the book three boss yet? I have. Okay. I've done so, it a couple times. Okay, cool. So no no problems for you there. So the, the interesting thing is they do give you a way to make the difficulty harder or easier in the game. Um, and there's a couple, there's like a beginner mode that, and I didn't even try playing that. So I haven't looked at the rules on that, but they have this little deck of, um, I forget what they're called, but they're like these little starting either Modifiers. negative or pot. What are they? Yeah. Modifiers. Modifiers I don't know, I but, but they're starting positive or negative and it's a big deck of them. So you can just draw like this random thing off the top of a deck. And all of a sudden you're going to have to play with a slightly different restriction in that game. And I suppose you could add multiples if you really wanted to make it difficult on yourself. So it's cool. I haven't had to play with those yet. Cause I obviously haven't beat them yet, but um, I think that's, that's fun. It gives you another challenge that even if you're feeling pretty good about the process and, and, you know, getting through, have you played with any of those yet, Riley? I haven't. And when I first set up the first game, cause it recommends like, Oh, play with this modifier, whatever they're Which is, it makes it easier. It makes though, it for easier. You, right? It, right. I think it adds like five health to your starting health. And that, I think that might be, Oh no. And then okay. you're supposed to start with like a boss MacGuffin that expands your hand or I don't know what it was. It was something like that. Okay. Um, 
I started to set it up and I was like, I don't need this, you know, like, <laughs> and I got pretty far. I think I might've gotten to the book three boss my first time. Uh, but I definitely, like, I did not beat the book three boss. Uh, it took three games before I beat the boss. Okay. Cool. Uh, so I've won twice and lost like three times. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good ratio. I think, I think if you're going to play through that thing, you know, you don't want to get just defeated every time you got to have a chance to be able to beat it, but it's still a little bit of a challenge. So yeah. Like um, and while we're on that, I guess, uh, well, eh, it kind of, we'll get into that later, uh, with the replayability. So mechanisms, I think, I'm trying to think, is there anything else you can think of? I think, I think we covered the the vast majority of it, probably spent a lot more time talking about mechanisms <laughs> than anyone wanted to hear, but it was fun because I like a lot of these mechanisms a lot. So I'll just, uh, spoil my final thoughts a little bit here, but I really, uh, you know, aside from the rule book that I mentioned, the the mechanisms, kind of the way this game works, is really fun to me. I think they I think they took the mechanisms from Splay the Spire, put this very unique word building set on here, and actually, in a lot of ways, this is funny because I just reviewed Slay the Spire, the board game, on my on the table segment in my last episode, and I honestly think this is an improvement. I think they because what Slay the Spire, the board game, was trying to do was just recreate the video game. And it does it well. It's great. But I think that they took the same concept and intentionally made some things different that would work a little bit better in a paper game. And I think it's great. I think they did everything really well here. So I was very pleasantly surprised by how much this met my my hopes for what I would get out of a roguelike uh, deck builder game uh, on a tabletop. So for my choice out of the two, well... I'd probably get way ahead of myself, but I like this one more than Slay the Spire, the board game, um, just because I think it it was developed with that in mind. Yeah, like looking at the game, uh, the Slay the Spire Kickstarter, I'm just like not super impressed. It looks beautiful. It looks like it would be fun. I would love to play it, but for a hundred dollars, and really, I would want to spend the one twenty five because you get like fun stuff, more fun stuff with that. Anyway, it's just like, it doesn't seem quite worth it to me. I, I will say that, I mean, at least that does have a real multiplayer mode. And I mean, in a way, yeah. I guess it kind of works like the double, the dual, because essentially what you're doing is when you go into a conflict and both of you draw a, or all, you know, all of the people that are playing draw an enemy off the deck and kind of fight it on their own. So in a way, I guess it works a lot like the two-headed giant one here, but it feels a little more streamlined. And it, you know, it does, it has some other fun things, but yeah, for my money, I think that, um, I mean, the, listen, this Kickstarter was not that much less than $100 after adding all four books to it, it might've been the same price. I don't with, and then I got the neoprene mat on there, but, but it was, it was up there anyway. It was more expensive than I expected. So it's not drastically different in price, but I do think that I think this is a better fit for me as a, as a roguelike deck builder on the tabletop. Yeah, I will say, okay, here's minor complaint here. That mat, by the time you get to book three is way too small. (laughs) Isn't it just, it's just used for the shop though, right? Oh, is that what you use? Yeah, it's just a shop mat. Yeah. Which, which basically tells you that it is completely unnecessary. Like I, I put it out on the table. I'm like, why am I even wasting my time unrolling this thing? Cause it really is a completely (laughs) unnecessary component. Although you do slide cards on and off that, that little thing a little bit, but yeah, it's not for your own tableau. It's Uh, it's for the, I feel so (laughs) dumb now because I've been using it as my like play area. So I'll put like my MacGuffins and my items on there. And I'm just like, 
I mean, it's cool, but it only fits nine cards. And yeah. <laughs> five foot three, I usually have like more than nine cards. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's a silly component. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah. Since I, and I don't know if we're getting into components or production here, but but uh, yeah, I'll just start with that. That was an add-on yeah. that you could get, and you know, it's nice to have a neoprene mat. And again, you do slide cards and off that uh, on and off that market a little bit. But I probably wouldn't spend the fifteen bucks again if I was going to do it, or however much it was. Um, because it's just completely unnecessary. I mean, you already are, you're dealing with like the archive and you're dealing with your own tableau and none of those have a mat on it. So you could just treat the shop the same way. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're, we're getting into aesthetics. Uh, I was an early bird backer. I backed it as soon as it launched pretty much. Um, and then, and that was thrown in as a free add on. Okay. For early bird back. Maybe my, maybe my, I don't, I don't remember. Maybe mine was too. Maybe it okay. was because I did back it pretty early too. And I didn't remember choose, like, I think I would have not chosen it. So I was kind of surprised to get it. So maybe it was okay. just a free add on for me as well. Yeah. That's cool. And that's why I didn't initially change my pledge from two to three when I went to go like okay. first go into the pledge manager is because I thought if I change it, is it going to get rid of that play mat? In which case I could just play, pay $2 more than I would have normally. And I get the yeah. play mat as well. But yeah. anyway, um, but yeah, like the artwork, the components artwork in this great Fowers games always, I think does great artwork. Oh no. Are you shaking your head a little no, bit? No, I'm, I'm just oh. shaking my head in amazement at, oh, okay. I <laughs> so love the artwork in this game. It really is some of the, my favorite artwork I've ever seen in a game. It's such a, it's just such a cute, quirky, it's a perfect sell. So, you know, when, when you get the the base game box here, it's a great cover. It's got a whole bunch of the different characters and items and stuff spread out on there with this with this great classic, like old paperback style illustrated artwork. It kind of feels like an old, you know, horror comic st- style or like an old graphic novel style. And then but then each of the character books, the hero books are made to look, the little boxes are made to look like books. And, you know, they're, they're just larger. They're, they're like small hardback size books. And then the cover of it is it's, it looks like an old, you know, pulp fiction novel cover cover. And it's so, it's so fun. It's just such a great style and they, they just use it throughout. It is, uh, I'm looking at like the MacGuffins here, you know, the MacGuffins each uh, kind of look like an old, comic book uh you know the layout with the, the title at the top and then what the thing is illustrated in it uh that the enemies all have i it's it the aesthetic here is fantastic i'm, I'm absolutely in love with it. i love the card backs i love the sleeve backs like there is nothing aesthetically that i that i am not just completely excited about and satisfied about it's just so charming uh, makes me so happy to be playing this game. So no, yeah, I was not shaking my head no, as in I disagree with you. I was shaking my head no and just uh, disbelief on how much I loved it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's all just so great. Uh, it all fits. Nothing seems to clash. Like even you've got sci-fi, you've got pirate stuff, you've got medieval stuff, but it all just blends yeah. together seamlessly. Like it all looks like it belongs there. Yeah. And this is the same artist that did the art for paperback. And I think when mm-hmm. we did our... Uh, we did our favorite art episode like a year and a half ago. So it's pretty early in our in our podcast. And I called out paperback as my one of my runners up. Okay. And I think now after after seeing this game again, I think I would have called the I forget the artist name, but I Ryan think I would have. Yeah. So I think I probably would have called them out as one of my top five now that I've seen more examples of it. And I think that he must do a lot of work with, with uh, Tim Fowers games because there's a, there's a very consistent thread here, but I think it just hits so well on these um, because it's not only the, 
yeah, it's it's not only the 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 style of the you know kind of the book cover look, but you know every single item in here just fits. It just it just feels like it fits so well. You know, the back of the items has like an old type font style to it. The back the the back of the uh, of the the sleeves have a really cool style to it. Like everything's so great here. Yeah, that it. that was something I was really impressed with. So you know, the MacGuffins and a lot of this stuff they just use clear sleeves. So right you can see both sides because a lot of the cards are, most of the cards are double-sided. And then for the letter cards, you've got this art sleeve and that art sleeve is, it fits really nice. Uh, And I love that. It's got like, I hate when there's a ton of extra room above the card right? and it fits snug in there. And the artwork on it is so good looking. Like I love that style. Yeah. It's great. Uh, And so, um, yeah, I just I, I really appreciate that. They've got a nice feel. I noticed when I first started shuffling with them, they were kind of tight. But the more I shuffled with them, they started to like kind of expand and loosen up a little bit. Yeah, they feel OK to me. I, I get that. I um I was surprised, though. I didn't I don't remember if it was mentioned in the Kickstarter that you would get sleeves in this. But it's pretty interesting. I mean, every one of these boxes has a big pack of sleeves. And it you have to write for the main cards because you have to be able to they're they're you know, double-sided so you can upgrade them. In fact, the, uh, the slay, the spire campaigns doing the exact same thing. So they, they went the same route there, but, um, but I was surprised that they actually even included, included these clear sleeves for the, all the rest of the cards and most of the rest of the cards, you're not even ever shuffling or not much, maybe a little bit after a game or something like that. So it's completely unnecessary, but there's this nice big pack of sleeves in every one of these. I did find, uh, just a, a really brief mention. I, I noticed a couple of the clear sleeves, um, the bottoms were open on them. So, Again, and oh. I just, the ones that were like that for me, and it was probably just a minor manufacturing flaw in one of the packs, but I just put the um, the reward cards in there because you're never shuffling those or, you know, like they're, they're not really heavily used, so who cares? But I did notice. So th- those ones might be a little bit on the cheaper side, but the um, the ones with the art on the back that are used for your main deck, those seem like really high quality. Yeah. They're, on one of mine, there's like a little bit of a chip on it that I think came from shuffling. Like maybe okay. I scratched it while shuffling. And so there's just this little like silver dot where there shouldn't be one. Mm. I just have to make sure I don't like ever don't pay attention, pay attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> Are like, you going to cheat yourself when you're playing a solo <laughs> game? You're going to use it to cheat. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, how can you much? Because most of the time you're drawing no. four. I like, yeah, exactly. You can't if it's really the top it. card and it's like, well, okay, I can plan on that a coming <laughs> out, you know, <laughs> Yeah. but I think it's great. Yeah. I didn't have any sleeps like that. Whew. Uh, but yeah, so it's probably a little minor. So it wasn't oh. too many to where it was like you were able to put them all with the the boss cards. Right, right. The reward. So so aside from the um the, the you know the cards which are fine quality, they seem to be in the sleeves. The other components, one of them is like you mentioned the boss uh kind of the um the the actual monster little cards which are just a uh kind of a card stock but they're they're pretty decent size. They seem high quality. They, you know, I don't mind yeah. using them. And then you've got the player trays, which are plastic trays, and there's one for the enemy and one for yourself. And then these little metal markers that you use to um, kind of mark the four different things you're, you're tracking there. Uh, Riley, how did the trays work out for you so far, though, the trays okay. and the markers? So first, first time you're using them, actually, the first several times you use them, they are so tight, like pushing those metal uh, counters into the little pet squares that they have uh, for them. It is. I feel like I'm going to break the plastic tray. Like, 
And I, for a little bit, I was, I got really, really worried. And I would like pick up the tray every time I did it, hold the back, push it in until it like kind of clicked. And I know you could like sort of put them sideways. I've seen a couple people do that, but like, that's not how it's supposed to work. And so I kept doing it. And by the third game on the boss tray had become loose enough that it was like, I could pull it out and push it in fairly easily. So the more you use it, it just kind of like stretches out. And uh, I've played the damsel twice and hers are it got pretty loose as well with the health tracker. Um, granted, there's still pegs that I never use, you know, like maybe I never hit 13 health. You know, I always <laughs> skip past 13. And so that when I go to 13, it's going to be that same way. But I, like, I think that a lot of the stuff is clever of like having the, on the left side, there's enough room to have three of your pegs in there right. uh, because that's where most of those resources are going to stay, your curse boons and uh, energy. And then at the top, it's got enough room for two because your energy could likely get up there. Um, I've had it hit up there a couple times. And then your health is the only thing that's going to go all the way up around. Um, but like, I really, I really, really like it. And I was frustrated at first. It was it, it, it impacted my enjoyment a little bit because I just was like, ah, like I feel like I'm going to break this. I'm so worried about breaking it, um, but it, I, I haven't yet. Uh, <laughs> and like, I don't know that the, the metal is nice. That was an upgrade they did after the campaign right. funded and everything. They're like, oh, hey, we found out we could do this. And I'm wondering if maybe that's partially why I saw Tim interact with somebody who was complaining about the trays on Twitter and said like, uh, keep keep going with it and and let us know how it is after a couple of plays and i chimed yeah. in and told him um, but yeah what do you think i found the same thing at first i was very frustrated because you have to use those markers all the time yes and i was like this is such a hassle and i i also think you know there is some element to the one of the clever things about this game is that you could put it away you know like in the middle of a campaign or even in the middle of a game and then reset it back up very easily and one of the ways you can do that is by those little markers being tight because you can put it in the box with the marker in its current location. It won't fall out. So I thought, well, maybe that's why they did it. But I, I don't know if it was worth the expense of making it such a fiddly challenge every time I want to move those. But you're absolutely right. After a couple plays, that did loosen up for me as well. And I'm finding it much easier to work with. The other complaint I have, though, and it's like I don't mind the I like metal as an upgraded component. Uh-huh. Um, these are a little there's there's two little things about it. One is that there's little symbols on each of them that indicate what they do. Now, they, they also have a color representation, so that's fine. But the symbols are almost impossible to read. They're tiny. Um, so, you know, I do still have to think about the color and I have to f- like really look closely to remember which one I'm moving up, especially at the start of the game, which one is my health and which one's my energy. <laughs> so minor, but it's just like, it's not a very useful indicator. But the other thing is that the metal markers kind of stack on top of each other. And so you start with three of them in one row, but they're that you can't take the, the one closest to the inside out without taking the other ones out. And I don't understand that choice. That was a weird choice to me because that does actually make it less usable um, for no good reason, as far as I could tell. Yeah, so that's that's a little disappointing. Again, it's minor because after the first couple turns, your markers are going to be in different spaces or at least all three of them won't be in one. But every game, you know, within the first round, I have to take one of the I have to pick up all three of the markers so I can move one of the markers up. And uh, yeah, that's this disappointing. It seems like an easy 
thing that could have been fixed. Probably they thought it was clever. Hey, these will fit in here snugly. And then someone didn't think about what about when you actually have to pick up the one up closest to the inside. Because it um, looks pretty like they're, yeah. they're arrows, right? And so the arrow goes over the other one. And that's what's blocking you from being able to just pick that up and put it down. Um, so I would... I learned to put them in order, right? So like do your energy on the energy outside because that's what you move next, the most. And then yeah. curse because there you go. usually that's what is affected the most. Yeah. But even then, uh, so going back to the color thing, I will be a third to halfway through the game and realize that I am using the curse marker <laughs> as my health. <laughs> I don't know why I just see it and I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm just trying to set up yeah. real quick, you know? Uh, um, but yeah, like I agree that that it has been a frustration because it's i mean especially at the beginning of the game yeah for the first little bit of the game you are using that energy pretty quickly as you gain it you're not like gaining energy super quickly and so you you do kind of have to like hassle with that a little bit. yeah and i bet that this would have been you know i know they did this for premium components i love premium components i love the weight of those metal things that's really cool but I think they would have been easier to distinguish if they would have used maybe like a molded plastic and then they could have put a little sticker on top to make the symbol more clear or whatever. And, you know, like when uh, Stonemaier Games did their deluxe version of Red Rising, it was the same the same issue. Like they, mm. they did metal components. I was like, that's so cool. I got to get that deluxe version. But the metal, because you can't color it quite as brightly as you can plastic it's hard to distinguish the differences and it's hard to print on it a little bit so it it it, it adds deluxe you know deluxification but it takes away some of the usability and uh so i think same thing happened here so little little bit of a miss there for me but you know it's that's a minor complaint now that the things are moving through the the spaces a little bit easier um that's a pretty minor complaint because it's you know it impacts you for two seconds you know yeah every game so it's, it's really not a big deal yeah, I, I agree. It It's one of those things that's just like you need a little wear and tear to get it to where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I, I'm also, as you're saying that, I'm like, hmm, could I just do like a little bit of like wash on it, like a paint wash on it? To that might actually work just to symbol? darken the symbol on there. I bet that would actually work really well. Yeah. yeah. You have to, if you try that, let me know. Maybe I'll give it a shot myself okay. too. I might try it. Yeah. Um, but because I do love the metal components too, it feels nice. One last thing. For me, as far as artwork goes, uh, or, well, sort of, one of the bosses. Okay. All right. Here we go. (laughs) One of the bosses is called the Drowsy Giant on the card. But then on the reward card, it is called the Sleeping Giant. Or Uh, Sleeping Giant. Somebody changed the name late. Someone changed the name late in production and forgot to change the reward card. Yeah. And I was like, ah. And I'm sure it's because they wanted to change the vowel. Uh, the enemy vowel oh, okay. to an yeah. O or whatever you to help distribute the vowels. And then they just never change the reward. <laughs> so it's like a minor thing. But when I, when I first drew it out, I was like, Oh, there's a, s-. cause I, I use the cards, like shuffle yeah. those, pick the reward card and then find it. And yeah. I was like, uh, I'm not seeing a drowsy. Oh, sleepy, sleepy. Oh, or, uh, the other way, yeah. I'm well, not that's one of the risks of back in a first edition of a Kickstarter. You get all the errors, <laughs> and I'm sure on the second edition they'll fix that, and maybe they'll fix some of the rulebook stuff. You know, yeah, that's, that's what we get to deal with. Yeah, it's it's so minor, but for me, I was just like, oh no, come on! <laughs> you got the collectible, the, the the very collectible drowsy giant that will never exist in another version. Of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, or yeah, they should reprint it and give us a sleepy giant and a drowsy card. <laughs> <Yeah. so they laughs> <laughs> um 
Do you have anything else on the aesthetics? No, I don't think so. I Art think we covered the production re- okay. pretty well. Overall, I you know, I absolutely love the aesthetic of the game with some minor component issues. Yeah. Yeah. All right, replayability and value. So with replayability, I have beaten two bosses. And w- what I like is those character bosses. So like for Ex Machina, the the book 3 boss is the scientist. So then the envelope inside that box says, if you beat the scientist, then uh, open this and it'll have two new core cards. That's not a spoiler. I think that says it in there. Yeah, that's right. And so I've done it with the damsel. So with the damsel, I beat core, the book three, uh, the dragon and got hers. I haven't played with them yet, but I think it's really cool because you could take, now you have, two boon card core cards and two cursed core cards and the new ones look so cool and i'm like this this legit looks like a huge like i did not imagine it would be so completely different um and so exciting and yeah i don't know what to expect now so now you got now you got me excited yeah that is interesting i wonder if i like is there a good reason why you couldn't even mix up the starter cards and use like plot hook starter cards with the with the damsel because then you could basically just deal up like one boon starter card and one curse starter card, no matter which character you're playing with. And that'll give you even more variety. Um, yeah. So thematically, I, there's like the art that like, right. It's attached to their body or that yeah. like something like that. But at the same time, like, yeah, you could. Yeah. I think, I think no maybe yeah, at some point, I think that would could potentially, although I don't think it's necessary because that's kind of what gives them their unique feel. And they might be intentionally balanced with the decks and how the decks work. I'm not really yeah. sure if that was if that matters at all or if it's just for theme. Um, but I could see that being one more thing you could mix in. But it's cool that you can unlock a second one, so then at least you could shuffle it up and you might get a different boon and uh, and and uh, curse card together every time. Yeah, I think that's really exciting. There, to me. There's also um, there's also a pack in the st- in the base box when you defeat yes. the level three. But did you beat that one yet? Yeah, so, well, that one just says anytime you beat a book three mon- boss, uh, boss okay. open it. So I did it, uh, I won as plot hook, and I won as damsel. But So I opened a, uh, a boss, that, uh, the, the, that one, twice. Okay. Um, and there's, I don't remember how many cards there are. There might be like four or five cards in there. The same types of cards? The same curse and cards? No, they're... Um, they're boss McGuffins. Oh, okay, cool. I think so it says some, that on there. That's too. fun. Yeah. Okay. And cool, one cool. of them I looked at and I was like, well, so far I wouldn't use this one. Like I would pass on this one, which I was a little sad about, but thematically, like it looked awesome. Um, but then one of the other ones I was like, whoa, that would have been so good to have this game. But that's the thing with them. Sometimes they may look useless, but then get the right set yeah. of cards and the right scenario. And it's like, that is awesome. Yeah, I remember that with like Slay the Spire. Sometimes you'd get one of those relics, which are basically like the MacGuffins. And I'd be like, oh, that's so dumb. But when you get the right deck and then you pop that thing in, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so powerful. And yeah. I think that's how the MacGuffins are going to play out, where sometimes you just get it at the right time and it's going to be like, whoa, I just got to use this really cool thing that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. But yeah, going back to replayability, I mean, the, for me, the modularity of this and the variety of cards that each of the characters has that the MacGuffin deck has that the items have. If you have all three of the hero boxes and the base box, I mean, as long as you like the game, this game is never going to feel stale to me. I think it's going to feel fun and different every time. I mean, I played slay the spire probably like 3000 times. I got to the level 20 ascension on all three, all four of the characters in that. And it's, 
essentially the same. It's like, you can just keep replaying this now because it's a tabletop game. And cause you have to do some of the management of the shuffling decks and things like that. It's going to take you a little bit longer to play through this than it might to be to play through six characters and slay the spire, of course. Um, so that means that, you know, it's not like you're whipping through this in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Usually you're going to play a game. Well, how long did, how long would you say that the full, uh, campaign would take you to get all the way through the end of book three? I think it took me two, two and a half hours. Yeah, I would yeah. say that's accurate, right? So you get a decent amount of gameplay in two to two and a half hours, and you have seen a tiny percentage of all the stuff that can happen in this game. So from my perspective right now, it feels near infinite. It feels like something that I would be happy to bust out three years from now after I've played it 500 times and still hey, it's going to be a little bit different combination. It's going to be a little different puzzle to play. Well, no, well, I haven't played it anywhere near that much. So we'll see if if I still am having fun with it after that much time. But so far, I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I think I could see myself going back to this as my like one of my favorite solo experiences for a long time to come. Yeah, I I'm right there with you. And looking at uh, kind of with replayability is so two, two and a half hours, I'd I don't have that kind of time a lot of the times. Yeah. So you said earlier, you know, you can put it away. So the very first time I busted it out, you know, I was trying to learn and figure out some things. So it was taking me like an hour to go through the first book, book one. Uh, and so I was like, oh, hey, I can just put this in the box as is. And then the next day I pulled it oh. out and it took me like less than five minutes to set back up. Yeah. And I was yeah, one of the things we didn't mention is that each of these boxes has a little kind of a, a sleeve holder in it as well, a little plastic tray. Yeah. And all it is, it's four component slots. But since all of your components basically are cards, it's really easy to just kind of separate out like, okay, here was the deck that I was playing with. And then here's the items that I had. I'll put those in two different sections and then I'll put everything else, you know, in these other two sections. So it's really easy to keep track of what you were using in that particular game in any one of these boxes. I didn't forget to mention this in the components, but since we're talking about the trays, my only complaint that I had was that once you get all the components and the, all the things you can mix together, like the, the, the enemies and stuff like that, there's a little lid lift on the base box. If you try to put all the modular stuff in the base box, yeah. it's a minor complaint. You can always move some of the enemies to another box, but um, that that is one thing I noticed. And that's how I want to play it. Right. I don't ever want to just say like, I'm going to separate out all plot hooks, enemies and items and play them just like that. Nope. I want to mix in everything and just shuffle it randomly every time. Yeah. And it is a very small lift, but it does bug me a, a hair, <laughs> you know, like, but I let it slide because that's how I want to play. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want to have to be like, okay, well, I have to open up X machinas right. to pull out the rest of the enemies or whatever, you know, like I would too much of a hassle. Totally. Yeah. So my, but, but, and I, and I would say too, that we're talking a lot about how fun it is, the variety you get from all of these boxes. And I'm so glad that I got them all, but mm-hmm. I think that there's even a really solid amount of variety. If you just got one hero, because yeah. you still have, you know, all the, the randomness that comes with the base box stuff mixed in with whichever hero you've got. And that deck, that you, you, that hero deck has so many different cards in it. There's so many different items you can pick up. You know, like there's still a lot of variety and a lot of gameplay in just one of these. But when you add all three of them, it's, it's you know, it's got a, a ton of diversity in what you're going to see. Yeah, it's crazy how, I mean, you're only adding a few items, a few MacGuffins from those character boxes. I, yeah. It's like three or something of each right. of them. Right. And that's crazy to me, like how much that actually adds because they're double-sided and you know, there there's more than just that. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree the replayability, I think it's worth it to just even get the two. Uh, Oh, 
we were talking about the tray. One, okay, one thing I would love. Have you had a hard time at all, like picking up the card, the, the bottom card, or lackey? Oh, yeah, that that and that one a little bit. Yeah, so the the boss card is a little bit rough, and also in the in the plastic trays in the box. Getting to the last card sometimes, the last yes. card. I've had to pick up the box and dump it over. So yes. again, minor quibbles on that, but uh, yeah, a little bit of trouble on those as well. I wish that on the enemy area so, that yeah. you put in the tray, because they have like kind of a hole in there so that you could put the pegs in there if you wanted. Right. Um, but if they just put a little divot on one of the edges so that you could just push on that edge yeah. and it would pop the card up, yeah, that would have been like a slightly more friendly because i usually have to like go to the side and kind of like pick at it and try and lift it or i could flip it i guess i don't know but yeah yeah that totally. very minor thing too yeah um, yeah definitely yeah sorry. yeah those plastic trays a uh, couple things to learn from uh with this experiment but but yeah, yeah minor they're still cool components they're still very usable better than like if it was just a cardboard player tray and you had to yes. you know track a little thing around the outside or something like that so Absolutely. Or like, you know, Marvel Champions or a lot of games have this dials, health dials. Right, right, Like, I think this is a way more fun way to do it. Yeah, agreed. Um, So I'm going to do the movie comparison, right? So this was two and a half hours, two, two and a half hours for the full one game experience. If you're going to win, even Um, you might. I've I've lost at book two lackey. uh, So, you know, that's an hour an hour 20 probably um but we'll just say that one game equals the length of a movie and for a core box and a character if you were to get this on fowler games uh that's going to be about 60 bucks i don't know what shipping would cost you and then for all three it would be 120 bucks so we got it a bit cheaper okay by going for the kickstarter uh, so $120, that means about five to 10 plays would bring it down to the same like dollar value as if you just went to, or no, if you were $120, if you played about 10 times, that would bring it to the same value as if you went to a movie 10 times. Does that make sense? Well, it does. Um, I don't find that comparison very useful personally. Okay. Um, and I think it's fine. I mean, it's interesting to kind of compare where your money goes, obviously, um, you know, you're going to get more enjoyment out of something that you own and can reuse most of the time. But I would compare it to like another board game. Now it does feel expensive, right? It's a solo only game. It's mostly cards. So from a component perspective, it feels expensive or it would have until I got into the Arkham horror LCG world (laughs) or the, the card game world where a, uh, an expansion that you, you know, is, is a campaign and you may not play it quite as much because it's not quite as replayable. And that is going to cost you almost as much for about 300 cards total. Uh, So less cards, less nice components and things like that. But that being said, I think that personally, I will get a lot more play out of this card, out of this solo experience that is very, um, you know, very uh, variable, very replayable than I will out of most, you know, 80 to $120 big box Kickstarter games. It may not be as many components. It may not be as, as much, but I'm going to get a lot more out of it. And I don't think that they spared any expense here. I think for, you know, for, for a small publisher like Fowers Games is, I think they made this a premium experience. You're paying for that a little bit, but I do think that you get a value for the gameplay. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think this is totally worth the, the money spent. 
It's interesting though, um, Riley, because you know you were just talking about Slay the Spire, how you felt that was too expensive at a hundred dollars or one hundred and twenty-five dollars. So you know, how would you 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 haven't played that, but you know, how, why do you think that that feels too expensive, but this feels yeah the right I've, price? I've had that same kind of conflict because it's like, well, I spent eighty dollars plus the shipping. That yeah. one I would probably have to spend one twenty-five plus the shipping. Yeah, um, and that one's got like more components, more kind of pizzazz. Um, but with, and it's co-op, which I love co-op, but for me, it just, it, it feels like, you know, Oh, I probably wouldn't give that to the table very much with more people. I like the theming of this one a little bit better. Like this one feels unique. This is a unique experience. That one Mm -hmm. looks like it's just a implementation of the video game. I could go play the video game for much cheaper and uh and get just as satisfying of an experience i think yeah and i wonder after this board game because i know that the developer or the designer worked with like the the gaming uh designer the Mm -hmm. developer yeah the video game designer yeah Yeah. thank you and so i could see them being like oh yeah this is how a co-op experience could work maybe we'll implement this into the video game at some point and at that point i could maybe do it on you know, electronically. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they will, yeah. maybe they won't. But I would love to play Slay the Spire. I just wouldn't buy it because I don't think it would be worth my time and money. Fair enough. I think that they they both probably are comparable. You know, I think they both have as much replayability. If you want to play a, you know, 20 to 30 minute per session game that you maybe can turn into a longer game with, a, you know, by extending the campaign and by going through it, I think they're both going to be a good experience. I like that... Um, that paperback adventures is more unique. I think it's a little bit more of a thinkier puzzle. So for me, this is a more, a little bit more fun experience. Um, although I think that slay the spire is going to be solid as well, but I do have the video game version of that already. So, you know, I don't need to, pl- I don't need to have the paper. I don't have a, now actually I think that they did make a digital port of paperback adventures though, as well. Have yes. you tried playing that? I haven't. No, uh, and no, I'm tempted like- to, Oh. Yeah, I'm kind of tempted to pick it up. I don't know if they have like campaign modules and all the variability and stuff like that. But now that I know how much fun I'm having here, now I'm tempted to start playing it on my iPad. And will I ever go back to this? Who knows? <laughs> That's true. That is a really good point. Um, yeah, that that would be interesting because I know <laughs> that they worked with, you know, the obviously it was a really close thing. I think Jeff Klaus was the the app designer for that. So, yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was Sky's interview where he was telling you that they be just for playtesting purposes that they basically made the app implementation because it was a lot easier to, you know, to play test it there repeatedly and then make minor iterations instead of having to prototype everything out. Yeah. I think it's pretty clever, but um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, from a value perspective, I think this is going to be a hard sell for some people, but for me uh, it was, it's, it's a no brain. I would absolutely buy it again. And I would recommend it if you like a solo game and, and um you know, like this kind of roguelike game, I think it really hits the spot and it was worth it. And the, 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 the quality, I mean, all the individual art pieces here, there's hundreds of unique art, beautiful art here. Uh, so remember you're paying for some of that. You're paying for all the development time and the design time. And I think, I think it's, I think it pays off. I think generally trying to compare components to, um, you know, to value in board games is is a little bit of a silly proposition anyway. It is. So, yeah, you know. I could see that. Sometimes you get surprised and you get a real value for the components and sometimes you pay more for the components. But I think regardless, you know, if, if you're actually going to play these games, you know, more than a handful of times, 
then you're going to get value out of it no matter what you're paying. Yeah. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. Those were my next two things. And you kind of covered that. Would you buy it slash are you keeping it? Yeah, I, I am 100 percent. Right. I love it. I love it right now. Uh, I can't wait to play it some more. And I, you know, I don't expect this one to ever leave because I think it's going to be a game that even if I played it a bunch and got tired of it, I think it'd be fun to come back to in a couple of years and and revisit. Yeah. And then who is this for? And I think you nailed that with, you know, if, if you enjoy a solo experience, strategic, like strategic it is definitely a strategic game um and i don't think you know i think some people might be turned off by like well you're spelling words i'm not i'm not great at spelling words but honestly there's times where i could spell a six letter word but a three letter word is better like yeah yeah and i'm i'm glad you mentioned that i meant to bring that up too because what one of the fun things about it is that you only draw four cards yeah. And so it is not that many options. Yeah, you have to make some choices. Sometimes I'll struggle for 30 seconds or a minute and kind of be like, oh, okay, what's the best way I could put this together? Because I really want to get six letters in or something like that. But most of the time, just make a quick three or four letter word and you're going to get most of the benefit for it. So it gives you fun choices to make. It's more what, what the word puzzle actually brings is more of a challenge in that you want to use a specific effect this time. Now you have to try to see if you can make a word with that letter starting, but it's not about it's hard to make a word. The, making the words are easy. They basically make themselves because you always have a vowel and a blank to use, and you always have some common letters to use unless you really build your deck and add a lot of penalties that make it really challenging. But uh, yeah, I think that it is not, if you know, this is not a, a, a tough word game. You're not like, you don't have to have a dictionary you know, in your head yeah. to be, to be able to do this. I mean, I definitely have pulled up my dictionary on my phone <laughs> to be like, okay, is this technically a word? Have you done that? <laughs> no, Okay. no, but I'm also a staunch anti-dictionary user during Scrabble as well. So there's no okay. way I could, I, oh, if I don't like know what the word is, it doesn't okay. exist for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, but again, again, Riley, if you want to cheat yourself at a solo game, you're welcome to do that. Nobody's getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause sometimes I'm like, okay, is this, is this like a, an abbreviation yeah, or is this yeah, an totally. actual word or is this yeah. a proper noun? You know, so I'll look that up. Uh, I'm not using like Scrabble word finder <laughs> type thing, you know, like, okay, here's my Q-I-N. I feel like that's a word. Maybe if I look that up. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that's a proper noun. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. Well, perfect. That covers that. I love it. Paperback adventures. You can, you can still go get it at, uh, Fowers.games. And I'll probably put like a link to it in the episode description. Yeah, I would I would agree. I, I think um you know if if you even want to just dip your toe into solo games, this is a great way to do it. Unless, you know, the theme or just the idea of kind of a little deck builder uh adventure doesn't doesn't appeal to you. But uh, you know, for there are there are some really well known solo games. My first one was this game called Friday by Friedman Freeze, mm. which is also a little deck builder adventure game in a way. Um, but I've also played, you know, like Under Falling Skies or One Deck Dungeon or things like that. This game has a little bit more depth to it, but is just as easy to get into as those games, I think. And so I would even say if somebody was saying, hey, what's the first solo game I would play? I wouldn't hesitate to at least let them borrow this and say, give this a try. I think you might really like it. And if you don't, then maybe solo gaming isn't for you because I think it's a great example of a solo puzzle that's easy to operate the, the, you know, the opponent. Um, the puzzle is fun. It's a little challenging. It's exactly what I want in a solo game. So I would definitely recommend it if that's interesting to you. Yeah, very well put. And as you said that, I'm realizing, I think this is my first pure solo game. Okay. Like, I play a lot of games solo, 
but they're made to be like co-op right. or competitive. And I just, you know, they have the Automa or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So interesting. Cool. Yeah. Well, welcome Great. to the club. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Now, now <laughs> I got to dive into all the other ones. <laughs> no, it's a good one. I'm glad you liked it though, too. You know, yeah. I, I was, I, I definitely didn't know what to expect. I didn't, I didn't, I was kind of questioning whether I was going to, whether it was going to be a good game or whether it was just going to be kind of a, a boring experience and it definitely beat my expectations there. So I'm excited to, to, you know, to have it. I, this was one of my most, like I had bigger Kickstarters and crowdfunding games that I backed, but this was the one I was most excited for this year. Cause I thought it seemed like the most unique out of all of them. Yeah. And so it didn't disappoint by any means. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like my number one game for the year. Um, yeah. That might actually be, up there for me too i'll have to see how how it continues to hit for me but i'm 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 loving the experience so far yeah well perfect oh you know one last thing on it expansions like it's just final girl right that's really popular right now it has that same type of thing of core box and then the tapes are different girls and different experiences they could easily do that here would you want more I would absolutely want more. And okay. if they did another Kickstarter with a few more characters in it, I would buy them all today. Um, I do think that the the experience of, uh, you know, the base box is now too full. So if you added more components in there, you want to make it easier to get set up. I mean, that's kind of one of the benefits of a game like this is it is easy to set up and start playing. So if they did a Kickstarter with more characters, I'd love to see a little bit larger box that you could at least keep the core components in. So that would be fun. But yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of space to explore. One of the things I thought was fun during the design diaries is I remember when they had the original characters and you said you didn't back plot hook originally. Yeah. And I remember reading them as well and thinking, wow, that plot hook one, he doesn't seem that fun, but I'm going to just go ahead and go all in on all of them. And uh, and several months back, maybe a year back, that one of the things they said delayed him a little bit is that they just didn't find him fun to play. So they ended up redeveloping quite a bit. And I really like how the, I mean, like the, the, his components are very unique. It's where like, instead of fatiguing some of his cards, you can kind of put them aside upside down and they have different statistics and then are different, uh, you know, abilities. And then you can use them in a later turn. And so that was really cool to ex- see that they explored that space. And, and each of these characters really does feel different. And I bet there's a lot more space to explore there. So I would love to see some more characters and and coming with that more items, more you know enemies, more MacGuffins. Obviously, I have a lot of content to get through here before I would ever need that. Yeah. But because I'm enjoying the game so much, and because I like how much that variability changes up every game, I would love to add more stuff to it in the future if it, if it's ever available. Yeah, I I hope they do. But at the same time, if they don't, I'm totally yeah. happy with what I have. I agree. I mean, I don't think it needs it at all. Yeah. I think there's plenty here to explore, but yeah, again, this is one of those, maybe this is my Marvel champions where I just have to pick up everything that comes out for it because I, I just, uh, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, yeah I, I'd definitely be interested. So do it. Fowers, <laughs> do it. Come on, sky, get on it. <laughs> well, perfect. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a good place to wrap up then go ahead and plug your stuff. Yeah. So you can find me anywhere. You listen to podcasts at, board game hot takes and then uh, we're also pretty active on twitter at bg underscore hot takes every week we ask a poll to listeners out there and then we talk about the poll results and read some of the responses on the show so we get a lot of fun community interaction but we have a lot of listeners really great listeners that are out there on twitter interacting with us posting pictures sharing when they you know when they enjoyed a game that we recommended giving us feedback 
telling us how why they're why we're wrong. So if you're on Twitter and you don't mind being there, come join us. Follow us on Twitter at BG underscore hot takes. Yeah, they're great follow. It's fun to participate in the polls. I participate in every single one of them. I don't always comment because I don't feel like I have that much. I'll read through comments and it's like, oh, wow, people are so much better spoken <laughs> than I am. <laughs> but it's fun to participate. Uh, and, and you you interact with people. And I really like that. You All three of you on there are genuinely awesome people. So go listen to BG Hot Takes if you if you don't already. Board Game Hot Takes, yeah. Yeah, if you want something really special as a Twitter experience. So Chris, one of my co-hosts, he's a, he's a weird Twitter user. He is a, he's like a once every two weeks, he goes on Twitter. And then I don't know how he does this exactly because I've never experienced a feed like this, but then he'll go in and lo- like, like everything that I posted over the last two weeks, but he does it to several of our listeners that we interact with regularly. Does it? I mean, and so <laughs> I don't know he must like click into Riley's page and then go and just like everything that Riley ever posted, but that's not the way I use Twitter. So it's always a weird experience to me. So if you want your, your likes to get blown up every couple of weeks, Come out there and start interacting with us. And if Chris follows you, you're gonna you're gonna get a fun experience there. But also Adam likes to go Adam goes on there every couple of days or every day and gives me a hard time. And you know, he'll interact. He gets a, he's very enthusiastic about what people are sharing about their favorite games and stuff like that. So yeah, we'd love to have you in the community. Yeah, Chris is I that same thing. I think Brian Chandler and I were talking about that on his episode, or we talked about it before or after. Just whenever he pops on, it's just it's it's like <laughs> such a joy because it's like your phone starts blowing up and you're like, I have like five likes. I'm so popular. Oh, they're all Chris. Okay. This is Chris's time. That's right. <laughs> and I'll stop like even looking at it. And my wife will be like, what is happening on your phone? I'm like, Chris is online. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. And then I'm at riled nerd on Twitter. You can follow me there and at riled nerd nord most places. Um, <laughs> and if you enjoyed the show, rate, review it, share it with people and, it, you know, this was a lot longer than we, we got very passionate about this game. So I was not planning to go this long, but I hope that it was an enjoyable experience. I kind of want to do some more uh, kind of reviews with people throughout the community. So it wouldn't be just me talking about games. It'll be me talking about it with uh, past guests or new people and kind of get to know them at the same time. Um, but I do want to do some more reviews because it's it's fun to talk about games, you know, uh, and get to know people. Uh, So if you like this, let me know. Or if you're just like, stick with just interviewing people, that's fine too. Let me know that too, because that's that's good information to have. I'll probably do this regardless on occasion at the very least. Uh, That's it. So until next time, keep nerding out. Take care, everyone. I went to uh, Italy with a few friends, a couple friends, a family, um, about four years ago. We, uh, my wife and I, uh, we're at a charity auction and had a little bit too much to drink. And so we ended up bidding on this villa in Italy and won it, spent a lot of money, but it was for charity. But we got excited and, we, and it's this big villa, uh, you know, in Tuscany, overlooking, it has a vineyard on the property and everything, but it's way larger than we need. So we're like, who do we want to bring with us? And I had a really close friend at the time, his name is Mike. And uh, we thought, let's invite Mike and his wife, Claudine, to come out with us. And so we did, and I called him up, and he immediately was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yes, of course we're coming out. So, they, them and their uh, adult daughter, young adult daughter, I think she was about nineteen at the time, came out, and our daughter was about seven or eight at the time. So the six of us went and explored 
all the, the entire Italian countryside and, and just had such a great time there. But my, one of my favorite memories, even though we were in this, you know, completely foreign place and all the great experiences is that the first couple nights, you know, we would get in from going out and exploring a lo- local village. And I was like, Hey guys, I, I brought some, I brought some board games. Do you want to try a board game? And they were totally game. Like, I think the first thing I brought out was, was like code names, you know, kind of a party party game, but they loved it. They had so much fun. So the next night it's late. We're, we're drinking wine out of the cellar on this, on this little villa. And, uh, I, I asked my friend, I was like, Hey, you want to try something a little different? He's like, yeah. So I busted out castles of Burgundy and he'd never played a hobby board game before, but I taught him castles of Burgundy and he, he was like, this was really cool. It was fun. So the next day he's telling his wife and daughter about it. And they're like, why didn't you invite us? So the next day we all bust out castles of Burgundy. So every night this week we're playing some games or we're playing code names over breakfast or whatever. But it was the second to last day we we're going to be there. We'd been touring all these cities, you know, Florence and, you know, all around the, the, the Tuscan countryside. And the last day we were about to just go out. To, there's like a lake out there. And we thought we'd take a little tour out on the lake. And we got out. We had some coffee. And Mike says, you know, guys, you know, we've done a lot this week. But what I kind of want to do is let's just go into the let's go to the the uh, kind of the, the, the central plaza in the city that we're staying next to. And let's just sit out at a at a cafe and let's just bust out some board games. Let's play board games today. And I was just so excited. And that's what we did. So we spent our second to last day in Italy just playing board games, drinking wine and drinking coffee in the plaza. Um, and this is in the plaza where Under the Tuscan Sun was filmed. So it's in that little in that little village, this cute ancient Italian city. And it was such a great memory. And this memory is even more important to me now because Mike passed away from uh, pancreatic cancer about two years ago. And uh, unfortunately, we had moved away. So when he was going through this, it was right in the middle of COVID. And I did get a chance to see him a couple times from when he was diagnosed to when he passed away. But that was always my favorite memory of him, not only just all that experiencing all that and, and getting to experience my hobby and share it with them, but just how enthusiastic it was and how, how much it wasn't even like, I didn't have to be the one that went out and said, Hey guys, come do this thing I want to do. You know, he was just like, you know what, let's, let's just hang out and spend time together. And so a lovely memory with, with Mike and his family. And, um, I really miss him. So. Mm-hmm.